Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out more about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, welcome back to Making Action Happen, the show that we do for our Action 22 members around the state of Colorado, around the country, and now around the world. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I am Brian McCain. So we are just going to have a conversation between Brian and I today. We don't have any guests, but we've had so much going on in the last little bit. Uh, We just wanted to kind of catch everybody up on a few things. Um, So we're just going to visit today. Um, Earlier this week, we had uh, Memorial Day, and Brian spoke at the Memorial Day celebration in Pueblo. It was a really moving, emotional, maybe the best one I've ever been to. Yeah. um, So Pueblo has a a high veteran population, as everybody knows, that's from this area. And Memorial Day, Veterans Day are huge here. Unfortunately, last year, they couldn't host the Memorial Day ceremony. Um, Veterans Day was a little smaller, but this year they they brought it back. um, And this was because of COVID. Uh, The majority of the people that show up to Memorial Day, you know, you're talking 70, 80 plus years old. So they just didn't want to put them at risk. And it's outdoors. So this, this year, you know, everybody was outdoors and I was asked to speak. And there was three speakers, not counting uh, the wonderful DA, Jeff Chosner, who always emcees these yes. and hosts them. And he, he still fits in his uniform. It's a little tighter than it used to be, <laughs> but he, he could get in it. I can't get in mine. Um, and so they had these three speakers, and it was tough to follow. It, it was. It was, you know, very emotional. Everybody was choked up. I, I get up there third, you know, and it's I'm kind of goofy. Like looking out there, and the whole first row of people are in tears, and so so I I, I did my best, kept my composure, almost <laughs> my voice cracked a little bit. <laughs> uh, somebody was like, "Were you nervous?" I'm like, "No, I was trying not to cry." <laughs> um, well, let me let's say why. So we had, and I don't know what his first name is, and he was a staff sergeant, Campbell. My, yes, uh, yes, he's active duty from Fort Carson. He runs the NCO Academy up there, an infantry guy. Um, Great guy. I mean, he looks the part. He looks he like a, a rough soldier that's got 20 years in. And, and he said some very, very emotional, kind things about his service. He did. And, you know, going to war. Like, he, he's one of those guys where it's in his blood. Like, all he wanted to do is go to war. And then he went. And now he's back and he's mentoring these young, uh, you know, unlisted people and young NCOs and just trying to teach them what he learned through his deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, which was then followed up by our friend Paul Hendrickson. So our good friend Paul Hendrickson, uh, and he's been on the show before, but uh, um, I think when he got up and talked about when he first got there and in two months they lost 14. Yeah. um, And he was in Afghanistan. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, I think he was both in Afghanistan and Iraq. He was. He was a ranger, infantry guy, um, bronze star, Impressive resume. Um, And then when he got choked up, that's, well, and probably because he's such a good friend of ours. um, I started to get choked up, but I cried about four times. I'm not even kidding. But it was really, really special. Um, The only thing that bugged me a little bit is as we were looking around, you had really great representation from Treya, 
We had great representation, as you said. Our our good friend Jeff Chosner was there, um, and and emceed the whole thing. And it was right under the Bre- Veterans Bridge. Yes. The acoustics were fantastic. I yeah. rarely heard the national anthem so beautifully given yeah. um, as it was there. Uh, uh, don't forget, we had the flyover from DOS. They always do the oh flyover. Oh my gosh, the flyover so cool. was so great. It was really emotional. I don't think I've been emotional about a flyover like yeah. that one before. But they said who all who all the pilots were and what they did. Uh, and when they do the missing man, the formation yep. in the missing man, um, it's very emotional. Uh, you know, the only thing that that made it, I mean, it was almost perfect was that the only elected official or representat- representation we saw down there from an elected official on any level, local, mm-hmm. state, federal, uh, was Jeff Chosner, who's yeah. the, the county DA. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed that that was it because it was such a good ceremony. Yeah. All of these folks who talk about how we serve our veterans in this community and the yeah. communities down here in Southern Colorado Somebody should have been there. Yeah, and back when I was doing that, you know, I made a point to get to all those. Even when I spoke, you know, that's the first time that I could speak on behalf of myself versus speaking on behalf of a congressman or an organization. But we made sure to hit those all the time. I mean, that was priority number one. And, well, I guess there's other priorities out there. (laughs) Well, Uh, I sat next to um, Dr. Timothy Mote from CSUP. He was there. And then Patty Orjavik from PCC was there. As well, and they all gave up uh, different. Um, they all gave up uh, wreaths, which yeah. was really, really sweet uh, that they did that. Um, but Dr. Mote uh, was asking, you know, what who I was there. I was like, of course, Brian is here. My good friend Paul Hendrickson, Jeff Chosner. He's like, man, you really collect them. And then he leaned in after you spoke. He goes, now I see why you collect them. Yeah. And so that was really, really special. And, and one thing that I wanted to mention about. Um, CSU Pueblo, and I, I talked to Dr. Mote a little bit afterwards. Um, when when I deployed, I deployed September 11, 2001. Um, at the time, I was going to USC, which is University of Southern Colorado, which shortly turned into Colorado State University Pueblo. Right. And you know, I was gone for a couple of years, so I was going into my senior year of college, which I have to explain whenever I do a resume. It's like, why did it take you? you know, seven years to graduate college. <laughs> I, I had a couple of years in the middle where I was you were doing serving your country. Stuff. Yeah. And the plan was I would finish and then become an officer. So, you know, I enlisted, did all my training, but it took a, a semester or two off from school and then I'd go back to school. And that's right when September 11th hit. When I came back to CSU Pueblo after it switched over two years later, um, my core curriculum was no longer there. So, I had two semesters left. They changed the education system and it would have put me back at a sophomore. Oh. And what CSU Pueblo did, which was amazing, um, they found a way to make it work. And by sending me off to Georgetown for a, a little while, and I got some graduate study as well with that, I was able to go to this prestigious university, um, learn more about what I was going to school for, right. and then graduate from CSU Pueblo within my time frame instead of having to start back over and go through the no, new curriculum. So props to CSU Pueblo, like they really went out of their way to help me because it, and it, they didn't have to. I was one guy um, and they made it work. And I thank him for that. And then shortly after the, the Memorial Day ceremony, we, we kind of partnered with 
Oh, yes. Um, the state to do a veterans vaccination bus. So it was available for anybody, really, but we were targeting veterans and their families. And afterwards, I was walking through the crowd asking all the old veterans, like, hey, are you vaccinated or yeah. do you want to be vaccinated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. You can come up here. And we did it with uh, Stephen Varela and Bingo Burger. And, and Luis. Yep, yeah, and Luis from the state. He's the vaccine coordinator for this area. And all the veterans are like, oh, we're already vaccinated. And, oh. and it was funny because we, we gave out a free coupon for a bingo burger. Uh, a bingo burger was closed that day, but they could use it later. And all the veterans are like, well, can I go get another shot to get that burger? It's like, <laughs> I, you probably shouldn't. But, Let's not do that. But we, it was at a very visible spot. And I, I don't know what the final number was, but they had people in there for three hours constantly. And, and it was just people stopping. Um, they hit some of the, the unhoused population, yes. the term is now, downtown. Yes. So that was good because that was, that's one thing that uh, Luis is trying to do is to vaccinate the underserved people in our community. And one of those would be the homeless population. And, and it's just tough. But luckily, where they were at, and unfortunately, there's a lot of homeless people in that area or unhoused people. And they saw the bus and, man, they came up and they, they all got vaccinated. So that, that was good. It was a, a positive event. Well, let me tell you the other thing that I love to see. Um, Bob, I, we got to see a few of these veterans that we hadn't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. um, and they all were so excited to see you. That was the other thing I loved about it. Yeah. Because you've always been such a great advocate with Tipton's office and all the work that you've done for veterans. But they were all so happy to see you. And then um, we saw Bob. Who we from who runs Treya? Yep, we Bob hadn't seen one. yeah, we hadn't seen him in a little bit, uh, and so I, I knew him back from the days when I did stuff for hospice and and all the veteran stuff. Um, but everybody was so excited. I literally had to come and sort of like move yeah. you along because they were all so excited to see you. That has been the first time that I've seen a lot of those guys in over a year since COVID hit. Because again, th this is a very vulnerable and elderly population right and the meeting that we do every month you know it's been on zoom up until this month is the first word we're actually meeting in person but a lot of those guys and, and girls they just kind of locked down and stayed in their house because they didn't yeah. want to get sick and for them to get out there and actually shake hands and and talk to each other it was great because they missed that they did they it was and i love those guys so so much um and it was really cute because i had put your picture on um, social media and Bush Chavez was hi Brian yeah I don't know if you saw that he was so even some of the older ones that weren't there were so excited to see that on social media and, and just you know Butch Chavez does so much for the community and the veterans oh, here he does um, he started a project about two years ago trying to get a POW memorial here in town and it would be a federal POW memorial which there's I don't believe there are any outside of Washington DC they do have POW memorials, but this would be like an official federal memorial. And uh, unfortunately, his health kind of took a dive right when we started to get it going. It did. And um, he, he's recovering. I, I believe he had a, a, a transplant or something. And it sounds like he's he's on the up and up. Yeah, so, it does. He so I, I'm excited for him to get better and we'll start that again soon. I'm, and not working for a congressional office, it, my hands were tied on a lot of it. And now being outside of that realm of work, I can help out more and, and kind of give back because it's a cool project. And, and I've been an advocate for this for years, and I think it would be great for Pueblo. 
it would be so great for Pueblo and they need that advocacy. They need that peace. And really there's nobody better than you um, to start to get that done. Well, the people working on it are all very old and you know, that it's tough for them to get out there and yeah. have the energy. And, and now again, with what I'm doing now, it, it allows me more freedom to get out there and really push this and go after funds and fundraising and stuff. So we're going to see some cool things that are going to happen for these guys. Um, now that you're able to, to be a little bit more maneuverable on that. All right. So um, we're going to talk about the legislative session in just a minute. It's wrapping up, hopefully. Um, you might it, have to it, testify during this show. I, might, I know. I keep, that's why I keep checking my phone because I keep getting messages. Um, if there, There's a chance that I'll be testifying while I'm doing the show today. Um, it's on a, a bill that would help with just transition and really do some innovative stuff and it's Excel energy and it's uh, it's a good bill. And I'm happy to be able to talk about bills that we want to see happen this year. Yep. Um, we. Cause usually we're against bills. <laughs> Most of the testimony and testifying we do is, is against something. It's so against it's good something. To, to be for something. So along that vein, we, we testified against um, this SB 200 uh, that we and you've heard about it. Let's talk about it on the show. Just to update you, um, that was the bill that was environmental justice. Yes, bill. That, that's one that both the city and county of Pueblo are opposed to. I imagine all the other counties are probably opposed to it as well in our area. Yeah, um, that's the one that would shut down the Comanche plant earlier than expected and be detrimental to the funding of Pueblo. Yeah. So, what what the other thing that it would do would have done in addition to that is really give sweeping, almost tyrannical powers to the Air Quality Control Commission. Uh, so there would be, they would be able to actually move forward on rulemaking, mm -hmm. legislate. You know, they would be governing by rulemaking instead of um, going through either the voter process or the legislative process, which I, we both philosophically are deeply opposed yeah. to. And the voters did vote for the uh, climate uh, greenhouse gas, re more renewable energy. So they Colorado did. is already fast-tracking this uh, to be one of the, the leaders in the country when it comes to renewables. But some people don't think it's fast enough, and that's what this bill does. Well, and it, had, it has to be really smart to be able to do this so it's sustainable and it works and you still have an economy in place. So even the governor was opposed to it, and he had uh, threatened to veto the yeah. bill uh, even though he's the one that appoints the commission, but he yeah. saw all the problems with it and really how it would undo so much of the great work that's already been yeah. done um, prior to COVID. So they've, um, we learned this morning that they've pulled that bill and they're going to put some of the those provisions into HB 1266. So we'll see what happens. So there's been a lot of negotiation on that. Um, the plastics bill that we talked about with Kelly Sloan, yep. um, that did pass. It's you're going to have to now pay for plastic bags in grocery stores. Uh, so, but you're also going to have to pay for paper bags in grocery stores. So when you go to the grocery store, and it, this was an interesting one, because after COVID, when we couldn't use re, you, you know do the yeah. renewable bags and all of that sort of thing. Now they come back and they say, okay, now you're going to have to pay for it because we don't want you to use those one-term plastics. That did pass. I don't know if it really needed to be introduced this year. Yeah, but 
Well, it's, it's tough, tough going back to the COVID thing. You know, they banned and we use reusable grocery bags when we go. Actually, my wife uses reusable grocery bags when we go. I never, I never yeah. use them. But but during COVID, you couldn't use that. You had to use the plastic bags or the paper bags. Right. And th- this is very similar to what we're seeing in some of the other states. I know in Washington, D.C., when you go up, they ask you, do you have any bags with you? And you say no. Then they charge you, I think it's like 10 cents a bag. Yeah. So, which could, you know, get pricey if you're feeding the family of six like me. You use, you know, 50 bags. So. Well, or it could be like Sam's Club. You go to Sam's Club and you have all this and then they have all those boxes and you can take them. But then you have to worry about what you're going to do with the boxes. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I don't know that it was the right year or the right time to try to do this. There's still so many bills uh, that they're trying to get through. So they're, you know, it, it's when it's all said and done, there will be almost 700 bills introduced. Yeah. And they got a week left. So how many are they going to? There's still over off? 200. Before 200 in a week, <laughs> we're going to have Mike Beasley on next week okay. um, to talk about all of that. It's it's kind of um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so the other one that we talked about last week that I, we want to follow up on because I we were talking about this into the night was the the migrant or not the migrant the ag, the workers, ag rights worker, bill. Yeah, ag yep. workers rights bill. So here was my. Here was my thing on it, and I thought that uh, Garen did. Garen Borthman did a beautiful job last yeah. week when she talked about it. It was a bill that so there was this really horrific. I'm not. I can't even think about the accident that happened at a dairy up in northern Colorado um, last year, and this the people who um, the sponsors and. The people who crafted this bill said that it was about that. Um, <sighs> but I thought they introduced or had the bill ready to go before that happened. Yeah, I I think that they did. Yeah. So timing was, but that it was the anecdotal yeah. reference story that they said, this is why we need to have these kinds of things um, squared away. But and, there for, was, and for the record, where, where that accident happened, like that was criminal. Like, I'm not going to argue that. What happened should not oh have happened. Oh, my gosh. It and was, there has to be consequences to that. They, they, and they were training somebody new. And it was at a dairy. And um, yeah. they were teaching him how to use the heavy equipment. And there's at this horrible, horrible yeah. accident happened. Uh, but there was nothing in this bill that would actually address that issue. It wouldn't have prevented it. No. It wouldn't have prevented it. And there, nothing in the bill would have kept it from happening again. Yeah. And that was my big problem with this bill. That being said, uh, and I haven't gotten the call. There's a chance I'll have to testify at some point today on that. Um, But I think that they've got it figured out. There was the stakeholder. This was the other thing. And let me go back to the transportation. So we supported the transportation funding bill. And one of the primary reasons, and it passed, and it's on the governor's desk, one of the primary reasons that we supported that transportation funding bill was because of the enormous effort for stakeholder input. This is what needs to happen with these bills. Yes. So as we look back on this legislative session, we're going to say, I mean, the transportation funding bill, it's a t- kind of a tough pill to swallow, but we were willing to, to do that and to support it because A, of that stakeholder process, they really took their time 
before introducing the bill to get everybody's opinion on it, what needed to happen. They had conversations with folks like us and around the state. They did a really, really good job over and over again. Uh, and for an example, they had the they were going to increase the um, fuel tax. Um, and and some people, you know, there's Tabor in Colorado, and that's a different kettle of fish. But for diesel, it was six cents. After conversations with folks like us and several around the state, they went from th six cents to three cents. Yeah. So those were the kinds of concessions that were made. And we've been talking about what we have to do to in improve the transportation infrastructure around the state, but also it has to be forward thinking. Yeah. So we were really happy with that. Something has to be done. There were several things. It wasn't perfect. No legislation is perfect, but that stakeholder process was so important. What was missing on the agricultural workers' rights was that forward stakeholder process. And that was the frustrating thing. Yeah. So it's gone from the Senate. It's gone forward. There was still, when we talked with Garen last week, there were still three or four amendments that needed to happen. When I talked to her earlier this week, there were it was down to three. Um, and so last night, I think that they finally come to some understanding and they were going to go through that. Yeah. But... Um, that being said, there was a whole lot of things that were already in place. There was a whole lot of rules that already happened, federal rules. And then when they start to talk about some of the other things, again, the reason that it felt some of these things fell, fell through the cracks is because when they were making rule changes with the Department of Labor in Colorado, they forgot about the ag workers. Yeah. And so... That's the frustration with all of the ag issues that are stacking on top of each other this legislative session. Yeah. Um, and they're the ones. So we can deal with transportation. We can deal with the energy, the some of the tax code stuff we still have a problem with. But that the constant let's do something different with ag is really, really beginning to bother me. Not yeah. beginning. It's been bothering yeah. me for the last six months. So I don't know what to do about it. But hopefully something on that, the next fight's going to be the Pause Act. Yeah, and uh, if the Ag Workers' Rights Bill passes, which it will, it will. Uh, we will see what comes of that. I think there's going to be some lawsuits involved with this down the road. Oh, I, yeah. I think that they're almost killing the golden goose because Ag is the second largest economic driver in Colorado. And if you impact that in a devastating way, which I believe this bill will do, and from the input we got from the majority of the producers here, yeah, this is not good for them. Um, you know what's going to happen um, if you're shutting down farms? Where's the money going to come from? How are you going to make up? For that? There's, there's no, there's, there's no way to do it. So, and right on the heels of that, right now, the the Pause Act. And that is the one, the ballot measure that yeah. is in the courts right now. I, it, it makes it to the ballot. Even if it oh. makes it to the ballot, I don't, I don't think that's going to pass. I, I honestly cannot imagine that passing if it makes it to the ballot. Um, we've gone through it where, you know, these ballot measures are supposed to be about one thing, and this is about 12 things, and, and that's why it's in court to – see if they can even you know, put it on the ballot, if it fits the, the Constitution. But worst case scenario, it goes to the ballot. I, I really don't think 
it will pass? Um, we can hope that it doesn't pass, but either way, if it does get onto the ballot, we're still going to have to put up a tremendous yes. fight. And, and I have a little bit more hope after what we've seen the our communities and around the state just absolutely mobilize around some, you know, a few things like the meet out. Yeah, well, this this pause act too. You got to look at it this way. Um, okay, so the ag workers' rights bill. The the primary opposition on this are the ag producers, the rural people, um, and, and to be honest, the the more conservative people, the the more conservative groups, they're opposed to this. Yeah. The other side of the aisle is overwhelmingly for it, as we saw it's how it was voted on. But with the Pods Act, both sides of the aisle are opposed to this. You have unions that are opposed to it. You have farmers that are opposed to it. You have veterinarians that are opposed Like, everybody's opposed to this. Yeah. So that gives me some hope. Um, you know, with the wolves, that was a different thing. That That was more you know, rural versus metro. And again, it was it was still kind of party line, but with the Paws Act, like legitimately everybody's opposed to. It. I mean, you can have your dog or cat spay or neutered according to the Paws Act. Like, yes. Or yeah. It, so so well that's another fight, but as I've been talking with people um around the state and they're looking at this, I want to make sure that they understand that the um Ag worker rights bill is different from the pause ballot initiative. Yes. So those are two different things. So hopefully this has been resolved today in a manner that on the um, that everybody can live with. If it's and we'll we'll let you guys we'll let everybody know um, on the ag worker rights if it's something that um, it's we can deal with. If not, you'll be here. We'll be talking about what to do next on some yeah, of that. Yeah, we'll follow that. We'll, we'll follow that, that one up. And then um, as soon as we get through the legislative session, we're going to start to hear a little bit more about, about those kinds of things. Um, so when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to do some follow-up on the redistricting conversations that okay. we've been having. We're going to talk a lot about our efforts to uh, on June 11th for the convening around the ARPA funds or the American Rescue Plan funds. Um, that are coming out. Uh, we know that we're going to have the final guidelines will happen on the 14th. Uh, so the initial guidelines have come out. Now we're having the, the discussions. The final guidelines will come out and we're, we're all going with that. Um, and then we're going to have some fun. We're going to try to uh, fit in some fun, positive things. Um, going out of this legislative session, talk about some of the other, um, <laughs> some of the funny legislation that's come out. Um, so just stick with us and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This episode of Making Action Happen is sponsored by Action 22's amazing energy leaders. Excel Energy, Colorado Rural Electric Association, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Gil Romero and the Capital Success Group, Black Hills Energy, Nextera Energy, San Isabel Electric Association, Outshine Energy, Colorado Solar and Storage Association, Tri-State and 174 Power Global. Action 22 is a nonpartisan, membership-driven organization which serves as a voice for action on public policy for 22 southern Colorado counties on the state and federal level. 
We focus on how issues relating to Colorado legislation, local government affairs, health care, education, and natural resources intersect for the economic health of our region. If you're a leader in your community and are considering joining Action 22, you can get more information by emailing show at action22.org or visit our website at action22.org. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also reach out via email to sarah.blackhurst at action22.org. Now, back to Making Action Happen. Hi, welcome back to Making Action Happen. So for a while now, we've been talking about economic development and that regional approach. And how do we do that? And how do we drive that? So right now with ARPA funds, I think this is the best opportunity and maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity to restructure that, reorganize that and do it in a really productive way. What we've been talking about more than economic development or maybe before economic development is this whole concept of building community capacity. We had a great conference with Kevin Wilkins uh, several weeks ago about this and talking about what really needs to happen, especially with the ARPA funds coming out. So uh, we did a we did an interesting activity when we were down there uh, that I just kind of wanted to see what was going on. But if you had a vision, I'm going to kind of make you do this right now. If you had a vision for what the building capacity for the community, both locally and regionally, would look like, what would you what would you love to see happen? What do you think needs to happen in that direction? Well, um, it's a good question. So if if we're talking Pueblo, like the region, mm-hmm. um, and Pueblo does serve, you know, if you come from Trinidad, the Valley, places like that, like Pueblo is the hub. If they're going to the big city, they come up to Pueblo. Uh, I would like to see if I had a magic wand and could make anything happen. And I know we do have a venue here. We have Memorial Hall that does have some decent shows with comedians, um, music. We do have the state fair, but that right. only goes on for a couple weeks, but the 
the other centers there. And there's concerts there from time to time. But I would like to see a more medium level theater, something in tune with like the Ogden Theater, the Fillmore in uh, Denver. And right down here, downtown off the interstate, you have a movie theater. It's just two blocks down from us. There's another one that they're actually using as a venue, the Spirit Cabaret. I oh, yeah, it's yeah, called. yeah. Uh, but there's, there's another one that I think could be repurposed for that entertainment aspect that's off the interstate. Um, and, and part of that is knowing kind of the music industry and the entertainment industry. A lot of bands or comedians or anybody that you buy a ticket to go see live, you know, they have a mileage clause in their contract. So if they book a show in Denver, again, stand-up comedian, band, whatever, uh, they cannot play another show the night before or the night after within a certain mile set. So Colorado Springs does have these venues and these entertainment places that they could have this show. But a lot of times you'll see if they'll go from Albuquerque to Denver to Salt Lake City. Right. That's kind of the tour road right there. And the reason why they don't stop in Springs is it's too close to Denver. But Pueblo is in between that and it's not too close. So back when I had a venue, we would have a lot of bands, like bigger name bands, stop yeah. and play at a little dive bar that were going up to Denver to play at the Ogden. We even had bands that would play at Red Rocks, stop and, and play in Pueblo which is really funny because you pay five bucks to see them in Pueblo and then, you know, 105 to right. see them up in Denver. So if you had something like that, that was managed, staffed and kept up again, Memorial Hall is sort of like that, but they're, they're very uh, focused on what type of entertainment and acts they get there. But if you had say an Ogden theater here in Pueblo, that would open up the opportunity and you would get that crowd from Springs because would you rather go from Springs to downtown Denver, fight traffic, find parking, or you could come down to Pueblo, which is 28 miles down the road, a venue right. that's right off the interstate and then come downtown and you would get that audience uh, from Springs and you'd get people from, you know, Trinidad, from Alamosa. Cause right now, if you're in Alamosa, if you want to see a big show, you have to go to Albuquerque or Taos, right. yeah. um, same thing, Trinidad, you know, they, I know they have Raton down there, but um, that's what I'd like to see. And I've, I've championed this for years and there have been talks with different groups of doing this. It's just, nobody's had the time, money or resources to set it up. And, and I think that would be a win for Pueblo. And I think that would, that would be a hot spot and that would bring in money that would revitalize the downtown area. Cause a yeah, lot of times people come for shows, they get down here around three or four, they get something to eat. They go to a bar afterwards. And, and I think that's, that's what I would do. That's not dissimilar from exactly what I would. So I love, I love that idea. And one of the things that people don't know about Pueblo and this entire area is the incredible music, mm-hmm. musical talent that's right here. I, they just don't even know that it's here. And I didn't. So knowing you and your professional capacity, um, it was my cousin Chuck that started to teach, tell me about, oh, he follows this person that's in music or this person mm-hmm. that's in music or, or whatever. Um, any kind of the performing, um, and really there is not a whole lot of, of uh, venues for that entertainment venue. So I would love that. So these are the kinds of conversations we're, we want to talk about um, on June 11th. So we have a, we're calling it a convening, but it's a stop, um, stop, collaborate, and listen. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to, we want to get, and we really, this is a call to action really for um, our entire Action 22 footprint um, folks in the state. But there's a couple of things that need to happen with these ARPA funds. We need to be very collaborative and strategic in how we apply them. We've got a little bit of time, but we're going to have, this is going to be the first of three convenings that we're mm -hmm. going to have June 11th. We're going to really assess where everybody's priorities are. Um, we've already had several, like the mayor of Pueblo is going to be there, um, county commissioner, Pueblo County commissioners, Fremont County commissioners, um, all of the Action 22 board members are going to be there. Uh, we have a whole bunch of people to start to have these conversations uh, about where their priorities are from the region and really take that regional approach and see what yeah. we can do to, to build that and start to really talk about what it means to build community capacity. Yeah, and it, it has to be regional because it's not just about Pueblo or Valley or Bank County or Trinidad. Uh, you know, you look at it again, and I know Colorado Springs is in our area, but Pueblo is the hub and it's a symbiotic relationship with the surrounding counties around Pueblo. Again, Springs, they're, they're fine. They, they're doing their thing, they're doing good. They're doing but great. for the rest of our membership in our counties, um, it really is symbiotic. So if it succeeds in the hub, that succeeds further out. And that's why this conversation is so important at this convening, because need, we need to have everybody on the same page, because you don't want to double spend money on things, overlap, you know, the, everybody has to be coordinated on how this works. And I, the one thing that we learned on two shows ago or three shows ago was that, you know, with the CARES Act money, it was like, spend this, you have six months, you don't know how to spend it, and then it didn't get spent. This is longer. I mean, this is drawn out over, I, I forget what the time frame is, but we're talking like 2024. So, it, right. so the, the biggest message that I think is important is just stop. You don't yes. have to spend this now. Uh, you know, think about this strategically. But, you know, Pueblo did something. Mayor Gratishar, give him, I give him props. There is some money to increase uh, child reading. And so, oh, yes, this so is so he, cool. He Talk did, about this for a second. He did this thing. So, when I was a kid, you could sign up for the summer reading list at the library. You read your books, you go and you get a balloon and a candy necklace, something like right, that. Right, right, right. And a book. You get one of the books you read. Uh, what he's doing, and it's limited, that if you do the summer reading program with the library and you're under the age of 18 and you finish it, you get a hundred bucks. Yeah. And somebody was like, well, you know, that's bribing kids or who's to say that, you know, they're just, nothing you know, wrong are with take that. I, like, <laughs> I, I like, you know what? Somebody's reading. If this is yes. getting people to read, whether it's the parents actually taking kids to the library and discovering books and how this works and sitting down and reading with them. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's effective. You know, we've seen it with the, the vaccination stuff, you know, there's going to be a lottery now, or there is a lottery. that Five people will win a million dollars for getting vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. Yep. Unfortunately, the way the human mind works is, yeah, if you pay them to do it, they're going to do they're it. They're going to do yeah. it. I love that. And I kind of love, I think it was a little bit in memory or honor of, um, Councilman Ray Aguilera, who we just lost, who had been such a wonderful advocate for child learning. In fact, at his memorial service, instead of having a program or, or whatever, it was bookmarks. Um, and he did such a beautiful job. And I think that Mayor Gratishar kind of did 
did that in memory of him because it was something that was yeah. so important and so special. And, and, and to that's him. with Ray uh, being gone, that's going to be a huge void to fill because whether or not you agreed with him politically, this guy would call everybody knows and he'd say, Hey, there's a family over in Bessemer uh, that needs a hot water heater. Will you yep. pitch in 20 bucks? And being who he was, you would gladly give money. I know I did in the past. And, yeah. and that's going to be, I think that's going to be a tough void to fill with him gone. Um, I, I know that somebody's going to step up and we have a lot of great activists in the community that, that are about helping people, but I still don't think that anybody can live up to what he did and how he helped people over there. It's, it's going to be a huge lift. And um, all, I think all of us are going to miss him on that front uh, in a really big way. Uh, and there's, so all of this is sort of a, a perfect storm, if you will, for being able to reorganize things, take a regional approach, take a look at what we can do. And if we don't get together on, on a lot of these things and collaborate, I think as rural communities, we're so used to competing. We're siloed and we are, are very used to competing for the same resources. For the first time in our lifetimes and maybe in forever, um, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to do that, to look for who could replace a Ray yeah. Aguilera, who can uh, look at this from a whole perspective of if what we are doing in Pueblo County and what, what we're doing in Otero County and what we're doing in Custer County can all work to the same level. And we know, for example, that there's going to be federal dollars on broadband. Mm -hmm. So the state looked at it and said, well, if there's going to be federal dollars on broadband, do we need to spend federal dollars on broadband as well? Probably not. So let's do it this way. And we're already pivoting and looking at how that's going to go. So these conversations are really, really, really important. And we want everybody to participate. We're inviting everybody. If you are an Action 22 member already for the... For the convening, it, we're going to do lunch. It's $50. Just sign up, show up. We're going to put you on the agenda. We want to hear what it is that you're working on so that we can do this. We're, and it's, it's really for people who are serious about leadership and moving forward. Uh, so that's who we're going to invite. We, we wanted to, uh, you to tell us as far as you can what you want to do and what you want to see, what those priorities are. Uh, and so it's going to be the first of three convenings. The second one, and we're just, I'm just announcing it right this minute. Yeah. We just decided on this yesterday or the day before. We know for a fact that one of the big issues that is a barrier is housing um, yes. and housing stock. So July 16th, and you're really going to be, yeah, this you're in charge gonna, of this This one. is going to be on affordable, accessible housing. And I'm not just talking about for those that are underserved, the the unhoused population or the homeless population. This goes up. There's a great article in the Chieftain where you have a nurse practitioner could not find a house to rent in Pueblo. And I've had some conversations with people where, specifically in the healthcare side, even like the college side, like there's jobs here that it's available. Like there's people that are ready to work, but there's nowhere for them to live when they come here. And right now the, the housing market is just insane in Pueblo. Um, you have houses that sold for 60 grand two years ago are going for almost $200,000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have, you have all 
you know, all these investors coming from out of town that are just buying housing stock and flipping it. And when you have a hospital that has to go outside of the community to bring in nurses, doctors, whatever, you know, they're going to look at Pueblo and it's and in the article, the nurse said, you know, I don't live in the best neighborhood. It's fine, but I make enough money where I could have something better, but there's nothing available for right. me. Uh, so we're going to really, really talk about that and kind of get into the, the nitty gritty of it. And part of that with the American Rescue Plan funding, there is money that will be used for this. And there are private investors that want to come in and build this up. You know, we've had conversations with people that are talking about, hey, can you connect us with PCC or the hospital and talk about building possibly a housing unit or project that has like all the necessities for a nurse to come in or a college student that's going to stay here and work. And so that's that's the other thing that we really need to untangle and understand the nuances of is how those uh, private partner, public private partnerships are going to be yeah. driven by the ARPA funds. And that's the yeah. other thing we've really got to do. So we're going to do that one on July 16th. It'll be a follow-up to this one. We'll do one more um, in September um, or late August, um, early September. We'll do another one of those. We do have the state fair. So, you know, we'll, we'll work around that, but we'll do one of those. Um, and then we'll do our annual meeting to really showcase all the work that's been done the last six months and where everybody's at. And we'll do that uh, at our annual meeting in Trinidad this year. Um, So we have a lot of conversations to have. We need you to be involved. We need you to be a part of Action 22. Uh, And so, because so many of the people that you know, the leaders in the communities, the municipalities, the counties, the businesses are Action 22 members. We need everybody there to have those conversations. If you have an idea, this is the time now to start to get those ideas out and see how we can do that collaboratively. If you're interested in attending that event, you can email us at show at action22.org. That's S-H-O-W at action22.org. And we will connect you with how to get involved in any of these convenings that we have going on. And uh, we'll send you an email. If you already get Action 22 emails, from us, then you can go to those and uh, you can register for that um, straight away. But those are going to be the big conversations. Now, if, the, if that doesn't get your attention, I will do magic tricks at the. <laughs> <laughs> so show up for the magic show. So here's so the thing. <laughs> I like, I think I'm making something up about Brian every single show. And then there's some little nugget of truth in it. We're going to start setting up uh, the game uh, and you guys can let us know. We'll send you, we'll send you a, a Starbucks or a Solar Roast gift card or something if you can tell us. It's like two truths and a lie. Yeah. If you can tell what's true about the things I make up about Brian and what's not, um, then we'll send you something. So we really, really need you to be involved in all of those. There's, let's do something fun. There was, was legislation that was kind of fun and funny. Oh, is this one where they... You could be buried in the dirt and <laughs> turn into compost. Oh my gosh. Okay. I just have to, this is just so bizarre and funny and everything around it was bizarre and funny and like what? So I, I don't know the details of this bill. I remember you brought it up. So in some States you could do like the green burial where they basically put you in a bag and bury you and it decomposes and a tree grows out of it or plants. I think Colorado is a little different than that. It's just 
you could be turned into compost. Composting. So it is now legal for you to have your body when you die composted. Now. <laughs> oh, so the, this, okay, it reminds me of two movies. It's like, obviously, Soylent Green. Um, is this the first step to Soylent Green? But the second one, the the terrible movie Waterworld with Kevin oh, Costner. Oh, yes. I, there's one scene in it where they, they're on their, like, water tower thing, base, and they don't have dirt, so dirt's, like, gold, right? Right. But then they're showing, like, the compost area, where the, that's where they grow everything out of, and there's, like, dead bodies they're just pushing into this, like, green pool of compost. Oh. So when, I, when I heard the spell, I could think of Waterworld, like... <laughs> So you're going to be a farm where they're just like dumping people in the compost. So I that's bad. Sorry. No, no. I was I had similar like what the what yeah. So my thought was, um, do we really need that dirt? And then you know when you go um, when you drive like you're driving over to the San Luis Valley and you drive through Huerfano County mm-hmm. and there's that big sign, um, clean dirt wanted. Yeah. I've never understood that sign, but that was the first thing I thought of. But with this bill, so if you have your body composted, it cannot, the compost cannot be used to grow food for human consumption. Okay. That's um, good. So yeah. So that's not quite soylent green, but yeah. But you know what I mean? That, that was my thought too. Um, I thought if you can de like have your body decomposed, no, this is my dark, like, if you need to get rid of a body now, all of a sudden that's sort of legal. <laughs> like, you can put it, like it's, it's composting. But the other thought is you still can't um, like, it's illegal to spread ashes in certain yeah. places. Yeah. So you can have your body composted. I don't know where you're going to put the dirt because it can't be used for. So are you just going to spread the dirt around, but you can't uh, spread. It is one of the crazier bills that has come out of this session I just had <laughs> I just had to talk about it because all of our friends up there who are working so hard, the Mike Beasleys, the Garen Forthmans, the Kelly Sloans, all of these guys that are up there working so hard on all of the crazy and they're tired. And then and, this comes across their desk. And then this is this is the one that we're gonna spend time and effort on. Um, there has to be something that we gotta find something funny in it. Uh and it, the other thing is the sponsors of the bill. I mean, at least she owned it. And she said, so she made jokes. So there were a lot of jokes that were associated with it. But um, if there's anything laughable from this, um, from this session, um, it's that. So in the last couple minutes, are there any other great stories that you have for us before we? So I don't know if this is still in my will. <laughs> but I had to write my will like years ago and then I had to redo it. Um, part of being in the military, you have to like have your will secured. And it was basically like, yeah, I'll let my parents have everything. And my best right. friend Nate can have all my comic books. You know, that's it. so then I, I re I had to redo it for something, you know, I was getting to that age and in my will, I paid for a program that when I die, I will be cremated and my ashes will be shot into outer space on a rocket. <laughs> I don't think it ever happened. And I think it might've been a scam, but it, I think it was Bigelow Aerospace that did it. Cause you used to be able to take 
like a photo of your kid and you'd pay 200 bucks or something like that. And they would put it up on one of his space stations. He has, he has like three inflatable space stations. And uh, I don't know if they're still in operation, but he later did the expansion to the um, ISS. Okay. But um, at one point they had webcams on it and it was the sun spot sun's station or something. And you could fly up stuff and it would put it in and you click on the webcam and you'd see like a picture of your kids floating around or a, a trinket. So, yeah, so mine was going to be like my ashes will be shot into space and like in orbit. I don't know if that's still a thing, but I'd like to hope it is. I think let's do that and you can talk, investigate that and talk about it next week. Okay. Um, so my crazy story, we live in Rye and we have a bear that keeps coming to our house and it can open car doors. So it opened, I had the 22 car up there. It opened the 22 car. It didn't do any damage. It just got into the car. Just, we took pictures of its little footprints. Just looking for snacks. Just looking for snacks. We were smoking a bunch of, of pork last night. They didn't touch the pork, but went open my husband's truck door, the Looked passenger side door, crawled in it, ate um, several um, protein bars, and, and left. So um, if you live in Rye or anywhere around there, please lock your car doors because the bears can open them. Um, so um, Chad Vorthman, I know you're listening. I was thinking about you last night. Uh, right now, you need to do yourself a favor and go watch Letterkenny Season 6, Episode 4. It will give you the mental break and the laugh that you need to get through the next week of this session. Next, join us next week where we have, a, I'm going to ask a lot of overly complicated questions, and Brian's going to let us know how his research on how you can get rid of your body um, once you have passed away, all the crazy and wonderful things that you can do with that in Colorado that's not like any other state in the union. Join us next week for that. We'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.